Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Tradition. Webster says, An inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior, handed down by word of mouth or by example from one generation to another without written instruction. Of course, traditions are an important part of our culture and heritage, even our religious heritage. But what do we do when the traditions we cherish are found to be in direct conflict with God's infallible Word? This dilemma has confronted believers and God-fearing people for centuries. There are even numerous such accounts in Scripture. But it also confronts us as God's people today. Ron Kangas is here as we touch today some time-honored and beloved traditions of Today's religious culture. Welcome back to the program, Ron. It's um, with a sense of responsibility that I'm here to fellowship this along with you, Chris, and with Brother Lee's ministry. And as we consider this question of religious tradition, we cannot avoid, I would say, the virtually heartbreaking situation that there are many more believers who care for tradition than for the absoluteness of the Word of God. So we're not issuing any kind of challenge, but this kind of message and subject we are on today uh, really forms a separating line between those who want to take the way of tradition and those who want to obey without reservation the Word of God. Well, Ron, the context for this program is Matthew chapter 15. And this chapter is part of the gospel that we've been seeing described as the pathway to glory. Let's talk about this pathway for just a minute before we get into this matter of tradition. And maybe what are some of the striking characteristics of this pathway? One great matter that we have to face is uh, the need for our provision. That if we're seeking the kingdom first, then we have a standard of value different from the world. And this can put us in a situation of trial regarding our living. But this is a splendid opportunity to experience the Lord's sufficiency in this area. And of course, there's the matter of rejection, whether it's from the political sphere or from the religious sphere. The matter of the turmoil signified by the wind and the waves and the sea, the opposing factors. Uh, So these are Some of the elements, they appear rather grim, but how remarkable that these are the elements on the pathway to glory. So outwardly, we may be often in a difficult situation, but it's bringing us to glory. This is the revelation here to see in the midst of our need 
And in the midst of the rejection, even in the midst of the turmoil, the Lord is with us in his all-sufficiency and in his preciousness. And this is really intrinsically is what makes this way glorious. Well, let's go forward and get into this matter today particularly, this matter of tradition and the conflict that can exist between honored, loved, beloved, religious tradition and God's word. In Matthew chapter 15, the first couple of verses, then some of the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem saying, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Let's join Witness Lee. This section of Matthew surely portrays the picture of the pathway in following the rejected king to glory. On the pathway following the Lord to the glory. The first station is rejection. The second is the want in necessities. And the third is the storm on the sea. Now, what is the fourth? The fourth is the accusation from the old timers of religion. The accusers from religion always accuse Christ and his followers with one thing, that uh, we do not keep the tradition. In the ancient time, among the Jews, some elders, they made a regulation that whenever they eat, they had to wash their hands. It became a tradition. In the old scripture, you cannot find out such a regulation. There was a man-made regulation. God's word always remains fresh. It can never be any kind of a tradition. The historic church made a lot of decisions for so many things which are absolutely not in the Bible. And uh, all these traditions are very dominating. Look at the Christmas tree. Look at the so-called Christmas. Here's a person on the radio claiming to know the Bible, telling people that Christmas is not pagan. Even the Christmas tree is not pagan. My man make void the word of God by their kind of tradition. Large teaching still insist the traditions. We don't care for these things. We come back to the pure word. I tell you, the Lord Jesus and the followers were accused by the traditional people. And the Lord answered them with one point, that you Pharisees accusing my disciples of breaking your tradition. You have to know you have broken and still breaking God's commandment by keeping man's tradition. 
So the Lord Jesus brought them back to the pilgrimage. Well, Ron, I want to be clear so that our listeners don't misunderstand the point of this message. Our focus today is not necessarily Christmas or Christmas trees in particular, but really we're talking about the usurping of biblical authority by the traditions of men. Many sincere and genuine believers honestly feel that the traditions that have come down through history in the church deserve to be honored and upheld. How do we respond to that line of thought? There are a few things we need to say so that we have a clear understanding and are not needlessly aroused by this line of fellowship. First, let me say that we're not on an anti-tradition crusade as an end in itself. We're not among those who take delight in flaunting uh, long-accepted practices just for the sake of novelty. That's not our spirit. That's not what the Lord was doing in this portion of Matthew. Another thing we need to realize is the importance of discerning between the Word of God and the traditions of men, so that we're very clear that this is a commandment in the Word, a principle in the Word, and this other item is not in the Word. It's not required by God in His Word. It's simply a traditional practice. If we don't discern, then we will be in a situation of hopeless mixture, confounding the traditions of men with the word of God. Now, once we have made some discernment between tradition and God's word, there are two further things we need to dwell upon. First, and the really crucial matter in this whole program, is when tradition contradicts God's word or usurps the authority of God's word or nullifies God's word. That's the crucial point. The word of God was nullified, made void by religious traditions. And this is an appalling situation that believers would care for tradition in such a way that they would follow it even if it nullifies God's word. Then another point related to this, we do not hold the word of God and tradition on equal level. To say scripture and tradition. Scripture and tradition. This sounds very good. Well, we have the word of God, but then we have the traditions of men, the traditions of the so-called historic church. What happens in practice is the tradition subverts the word. Uh, The tradition dilutes the word. For example, the tradition concerning clergy laity and ordination of a clerical class, that's held onto in such a way as to nullify the body of Christ in practical function. This is extremely serious. So it is our burden in this message to sound out the word that, the word of God being pure and authoritative and absolute, in no way can be mixed with or held along with or regarded merely as equal to human tradition. We surely must reject any tradition which violates the word. And we have to be very careful of any tradition that may in some way 
practical way uh, cause us to dilute the word. The word of God must be absolute, and we must be absolute in our adherence to it. Well, let's look at it again as it continues on this very topic. Once again, we're in Matthew chapter 15 and verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. And you have deprived the word of God of its authority because of your tradition. Hypocrites, well has Isaiah prophesied concerning you, saying, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart stays far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as teachings the commandments of men. Strong words. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The problem between the Pharisees and the Lord Jesus and his followers was that the Pharisees only cared for the outward tradition, outward ritual, outward practice to wash the hand. They didn't care a bit for the inward situation. But the Lord Jesus referred to them the inward situation. The Lord Jesus taught his disciples, don't care for these outward practices. You don't need to wash your hand. That is not the real dirty thing. The real dirty thing is within you. Today, we care for the inward reality. The Lord doesn't care for the outward rituals, regulations. The Lord only cares for the inward reality. While the meeting is quiet, is noisy, this means very little. We care for the inward experience of Christ. We care for the inward reality. Whether your hands are dirty, this is a small thing. But how about your inward? The traditional people, they always have an outward appearance. Their heart is far away from God. In tradition, all the time, the appearance, the outward practice, seemingly, is for God. Actually, their heart is not there. They have an appearance. They don't have the reality. They have the outward lips, talking, declaring, prophesying, proclaiming. Actually, their heart is not there. Any tradition is just a can talk but lips. No reality in the heart. The lips <laughs> worship me, but the heart is away from me. In the eyes of God, it is altogether not a matter of outward appearance. It's altogether a matter of inward reality. Not what we say, but what we are. Well, Ron, the issue here is getting much more clearly defined, I think. Inward reality versus outward practice or outward appearance. It seems that even though the dispensation may have changed, Ron, about this time from the Old Testament to the New, the principle of how much the Lord values inward reality instead of just outward appearance has never really changed, has it? It has not. Uh, the Lord said uh, to Samuel, the prophet, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. 
this is a fundamental and unbridgeable distinction. God cares, especially in this age, for inward reality. And there is an intrinsic connection between inward reality and our adherence to the Word of God in its purity. In the same principle, there is a connection, an intrinsic one, between outward appearance and following human, especially religious, tradition. If we reflect on this matter of traditions, we will quickly realize in virtually every instance they concern outward things, outward practices, doing something in a particular outward way which is supposed to be orthodox or proper. What traditions are there related to inward reality? Does someone have a tradition of being pure in heart? That's our tradition. Does someone have a tradition of being poor in spirit? There's no such thing. The traditions are related to, oh, the directions we face, the the way one makes the sign of the cross, the formulaic words used in baptism, these kind of things. And it's opposed that if one adheres to these traditions, that somehow matters, but it doesn't matter. It may lead to hypocrisy and deception. The Lord himself said, your heart is far from me. You're doing all of these things, following the traditions. Where is your heart when you do them? God is concerned for inward reality, and by his mercy, this is our burden in this ministry and in this particular broadcast. We want to sound out, even trumpet forth, this word concerning the choice between outward appearance to please man and follow human tradition, or inward reality to please God and follow the Word of God. Well, let's continue, Ron. Uh, The disciples now are uh, perceiving that the Lord's harsh and strong word is causing a reaction among those religious ones to whom he was speaking. And they come to the Lord in verse 12. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were stumbled when they heard this word? And he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. Let them be. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Let's go back once again to Witness Lee. All these traditional ones are blind ones. They are blind leading the blind. I feel very sorrow for so many misled today religionists. They are blind leading the blind. And still they are missing the place. They are missing the enjoyment. It's pitiful. I'm not so happy to say this because I feel sorrow for them. Yet this is the fact. And listen, the Lord Jesus said, these brand leaders have never been planted by the Father. They've never been planted. Surely, God had never planted this kind of person. Their blindness 
will cause them to be rooted up. Someday they will be uprooted because they are not planted by God. Surely they will be uprooted. Well, we can see we are on the pathway to glory. We are on the way exactly as the Lord Jesus and his followers were on the same way. They suffer rejection. They pass through the want of necessity. And they pass through the stormy sea. And they are now dealing with the traditional opposition. And we are the same. Praise Him. Amen. Have you seen? This is the pathway to glory. Okay. Well, Ron, we saw again and again that the pathway that the Lord Jesus walked on and the one that he's leading us to walk on is truly a pathway full of rejection. Even getting into matters such as we're touching today, Ron, it seems will inevitably result in an increase of rejection, won't it? It is inevitable, not because those who want to follow the Word of God are courting rejection, taking delight in rejection, It's not in that kind of, to me, an unhealthy frame of mind. You have a clash of opposites. You've got religious people, even religionists, with their traditions, caring for outward appearance. Then you have the Lord and his followers caring for the word of God and for inward reality. And the Lord cannot back down. We cannot back down from the Word of God and from the divine reality. So eventually, the reality conveyed in the Word of God exposes the appearance of religion, the traditions of religion, and the religionists are stumbled. They're bothered, and they react, and their reaction is a rejection of the divine reality, of the Word of God in its purity and absoluteness, and of those that will manifest this reality and testify to this word in their midst. That's just the way it is, and that's the way it will be throughout this age. But we're encouraged by the fact that this is indeed the pathway to glory. Amen, Ron. That's a perfect uh, conclusion to this program, I think. Let's leave it there. Again, I appreciate your being here as always and invite you to come back whenever you're able. Thank you. We're out of time. Let me quickly point out our toll-free number and invite you to contact us. We have tremendous resource material available on these topics as well as, of course, the many other things that we've touched in this life study of the Bible. Uh, But these matters regarding the kingdom and the pathway to glory that we're seeing in Matthew really deserve some further study and consideration. So we'd like to recommend this material, and we'll tell you all about it if you'll call us at our toll-free number, which is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to us, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send email to us, radio at lsm.org. We'll be back as we continue on the Life Study of Matthew. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wild. Please join us then, and thank you very much for listening today. Receive us into thy mind.
Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org slash ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today. What is the church? The church, which is His body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. The body of Christ is not an organization, but an organism constituted of all the regenerated believers for the expression and activities of the head. The body of Christ is the issue of the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ who has come into the church. By means of the ascended Christ's heavenly transmission, we are made one with him, and thus his body is produced. Scripture, Ephesians 1.23, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.